0: Scripture today comes from Jeremiah chapter 29, verses 4 through 14. Hear God's word to us. Thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon Build houses and live in them, plant gardens and eat their produce, take wives and have sons and daughters, take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there, and do not decrease. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile, and pray to the Lord on its behalf, for in its welfare you will find your welfare. For thus says the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Do not let your prophets and your diviners who are among you deceive you, and do not listen to the dreams that they dream, for it is a lie that they are prophesying to you in my name. I did not send them, declares the Lord. For thus says the Lord, when 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will visit you, and I will fulfill to you my promise and bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated.
1: Well, good morning. Good morning. Uh, if I haven't met you yet, my name is Gabe Coyle. I'm the campus pastor here, and it's not hard to pick up if you are around for kind of our announcements that we we have a desire, a longing to seek the welfare of the city, but. No matter how many Thanksgiving bags um, we collect, you know, as we seek to care for under-resourced families in our neighborhood um, over the Thanksgiving holiday, or whether we're collecting hats, scarves, and gloves for children who are new to KC's winter, whether we're seeking to try to connect individuals to thoughtful institutions who are strategically located to do community development work in our city this Saturday, whether, you know, honestly, we're seeking to support education institutions in our city to provide quality and good quality seats of education and support good teachers and good admin staff, whether it's supporting good work well done um, and helping cultivate more jobs to, to, to stifle or to not stifle, but to help the economy. Um, we don't want to stifle. Um, and then, you know, even as we think about all of these pieces or to, to, to push back isolation, to eradicate guilt and shame through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ and reconciling individuals with their creator, God, all of that. We, we seek the welfare of our city. And it's not just that we heard the charge to God's people this morning in our passage, but there are various passages throughout the pages of Scripture for followers of Jesus to be pursuing the betterment of the city in which they find themselves. But there's one huge obstacle that will keep the people of God from being who they're called to be where they are. There's a huge obstacle that'll keep the city in which we find ourselves from becoming the city God desires it to be. And this morning, we're going to talk about that obstacle, and we're going to hear what God has to say to you and I in the 21st century here in Kansas City, Missouri, okay? Over the past uh, few weeks, we've been walking through the book of Jeremiah. Jeremiah was a prophet some 2,600 years ago. He was called by God to to this larger-than-life task. To proclaim God's word, his spoken word, to first the people of God and then the surrounding nations and kingdoms. And this was a task that was way too big for him. He felt the weight of this and we've been walking through the weightiness of his calling. And what we've seen over and over again is that you don't have to be called. You don't have to have a prophet, you know, on your business card But instead, whenever God calls us to himself, no matter what your vocation, he calls us to a life, a task that is way too big for any one of us on our own, a life that requires much more than we ever thought um, originally. And so this morning, we're going to look at that life, this calling that he's called us to now, not sometime later, not somewhere else, but right here where he has you this time today and this time tomorrow. And we're going to be talking about how this life is ultimately a life spent for others. And if we miss what Jeremiah has to say here in our passage, we will truncate the potential that we have in our lives and in our faith. We'll never see our city become what God longs it to be, and we'll rob God of glory that he's rightfully due. So what is this huge obstacle? That keeps the people of God from being who we're called to be where we are. Let's take a look together. If you haven't already, would you please turn with me to Jeremiah chapter 21. If you are using one of our community Bibles, off the back there, it's page number 656. Now, if you look in these early verses of Jeremiah 29, you notice that this is actually a letter from Jeremiah to the exiles in Babylon. In many ways, this is kind of a shift to the, I, I told you so section of Jeremiah's ministry. He'd been telling You know, the people of God time and again that there's this power from the north that's going to come down and it's going to ransack the city and you're going to find yourselves in exile. Well, that day has come and gone. Um, And Judah, the last remaining section of what was unified Israel, they continued to ignore God. They continued to refuse to repent of their sin and their brokenness and their utter abandonment of God. So God sent King Nebuchadnezzar, King Nebuchadnezzar, didn't come by his own volition. God sent King Nebuchadnezzar to besiege and invade Jerusalem. But King Nebuchadnezzar didn't come, and didn't have a plan to annihilate the Jewish people. Instead, he he planned something much more brutal. Um, it may not sound like it at first, but it is much much more brutal. He, he decided to have Israel's middle class brought to Babylon and over time plan to systematically strip them of their cultural identity. This is the war tactic called exile. Over a period of time, they would you know, extract all the cultural benefits and then eradicate all the cultural distinctiveness so that they could then gain the, the information wealth of the, the Jewish people. This was the tactic of exile. So imagine, okay, being an Israelite at this moment, you, you find yourself in a foreign land where nobody speaks your language, really. But not only that, not only do you feel like you stick out because no one re- speaks your language, now you're a minority. The whole culture is hostile towards you. And when you first arrive, this is your welcome you're paraded through the city center as trophies of war. Not as human beings, not as welcomed community members, but as trophies of war. And you're mocked, seen as stupid as if how could you even imagine come and try to stand up against great Babylon. You're spit upon and then isolated to your particular ghetto in Babylon. You watch friends and family members who were murdered and raped by their soldiers. And now you have to be a part of this city. All of your hopes for the future just like the ruins of the temple are left in shambles. And then you get this letter from the prophet Jeremiah back in Jerusalem. Now, what does he have to say? Let's look again at verse 4. Thus says the Lord of hosts. In other words, the God who controls all of these angel armies, the God of Israel, I'm still your God, to all the exiles whom I have sent into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. This is the God who sent you there to Babylon. And then jump down to verse 7. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile. Could you imagine hearing these words for the first time? This sounds like a foghorn in the midst of all your pain. Just exacerbating everything that you're feeling. This word welfare, many of you may know this already, is the Hebrew word shalom peace, but it's much more than just, quote-unquote, keeping the peace. This isn't the absence of hostility, the absence of division, or merely the absence of causing a ruckus. Shalom has to do with adding something, with actually pursuing something, pursuing wholeness, prosperity, fullness of life, harmony, and rest. It's not something you just feel in here, but it's something we experience out here amongst friends, neighbors, community, and yes, even enemies. Israel is to have a positive rather than disruptive presence where they are with their captives, with their captors. I mean, do you see how radical this is? This is is unbelievable. Just to give you an idea, I did some more research, and this kind of call to a people who have been exiled to a particular land, nowhere else in history before this moment, nowhere else in ancient Near Eastern record do we have a call for a people who have been exiled by their captors to now live among their captors to then seek the prosperity of their captors, nowhere else in ancient Near Eastern history? This is truly unique and radical, and quite frankly, when you hear it for the first time, if you were that person bizarre, they're to work for wholeness, prosperity, fullness of life, the harmony of Babylon? And then, let's go right to the heart. pray for Babylon right we see that in verse 7 pray for them and every way there to make babylon better because they're there but none of this is possible unless they hear they hear what god had to say through jeremiah in verses 5 and 6 when they get to verse 7 and they hear seek the welfare of the city none of that's possible unless they get verses 5 and 6 let's look at them again build houses and live in them plant gardens and eat their produce take wives and have sons and daughters Take wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage that they may bear sons and daughters. Multiply there and do not decrease, but seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you will find your welfare. God tells his people, make your home here. I want you to go down to First National of Babylon, get a home loan. And then I want you to get a condo, you know, in in two light Babylon. And then I want you to go over to roastery at Babylon Station and get your punch card and make yourself at home. Now, I want to do a little exercise here. And I'm serious. This isn't rhetorical. Otherwise, I'm going to look like an idiot. I still might look like an idiot. But I need your conversation here. What comes to mind when you hear the word home? Just shout it out. We're going to fill this board up. Family. Family comfort. What else? Safety. What was that? Safety. Safety. Okay. Yeah. A yard. There you go. That is one crazy why. I don't know what it was doing. <laughs> Just hang with me. Just hang with me. It's kind of a mixture of cursive and something else. What? Familiarity. Familiarity. Peace. Peace. Neighbors and community. What else? Welcome. Stability. Stability, yeah. What else? When you think of home, any images that come to mind? Feelings that come to mind? Belonging. Belonging. Kids playing together. Kids playing together. Mice. (laughs) And that's a good place to stop. Um, That was marvelous. No, uh, it was just last week up in children's ministries, which is happening right now up above the old sundry space. um, You know, uh, one of the teachers um, asked my daughter, you know, hey, if you could live anywhere in the world, where would it be? And I want you to draw your answer. And you know what she asked help to draw? Home. It's just as a dad, I was like, oh, yes, victory. Um, no, but there's something so powerful about home, isn't there? It shapes how we see the world. It shapes how we see ourselves and even the way we shape ourselves and our identity. Home. And then God tells, God tells his people who have all these memories, all these, this image of stability, neighbors, community, all of these memories, and he says, I want to make your home here. You'll be, lo- you'll be here longer than you think. This isn't an accident. It's not like this was a big whoops moment. I have sent you here on purpose. So put down roots. Why is this important? Why, why is this so important? <laughs> because only when you do that, when you settle into a place, when you make your home a pl- in, in a particular place, can you then genuinely begin to seek its welfare over time. This is so crucial because, listen, listen, when you make your home in a place, then the problems become your problems and the joys become your joys. The brokenness of an education system isn't the city's problem, but when it becomes your kid's problem, then you're on the front lines and you're a part of the solution. When there's a crime issue, it's not something, well, that section of town needs to get their act together. No, 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 no. You say, okay, this is my neighborhood. This is my house, my car, my kids, my neighbor's. Before it comes knocking on my door, I want to be a part of the solution. You own the problems when you make your home somewhere, but you also get to own the joys and the celebrations and the assets. When you see great programs that are lifting the vulnerable to places of sustainability and generosity, when you see great restaurants, cultural innovations, economic boom, cultural centers, those are places of also neighborhood pride and ownership. Amidst all of that, when you make your home somewhere, you more naturally begin to own the problems and the joys, and it becomes the very, very much part of the fabric where you begin to seek the welfare of the city because you see yourself intertwined with the city. And so you can't just go to verse 7 and quote that, you know, all gung-ho without understanding the very design in which God has here in, in, in his calling to seek the welfare of the city. Make your home here. Make your home here. And you know what was the greatest obstacle? This is the big thing we started off with. The greatest obstacle for the people of God to be what he's called them to be in this particular city was believing the lie promoted by these false prophets of the day who said, you're just passing through. You're just passing through. Don't invest where you are. You're just passing through. There were prophets during Jeremiah's day who were saying that after two years God was going to bring his people back to their homeland. They didn't need to put down roots. They didn't invest, need to invest in Babylon. They didn't need to care about Babylon. So don't make your home here because God wasn't going to leave them there that long. And in verses 8 and 9, in the passage we just heard read, God tells Israel to beware the deception of these false prosperity prophets. Instead, God had them in Babylon for the long haul to be there for a good while. And he has them in Babylon for a purpose. This isn't an accident, something they can just wait out till the, finally the good plan comes along. There will be a day when he brings them back to the promised land. But it won't be during their lifetime. It won't be during their kid's lifetime. This was a shorter life expectancy at this point in history, and 70 years means multiple generations. So make your home here for the long haul and seek the welfare of the city where I have you. And this, this passage has been so crucial. If you look at the Jewish people throughout history, this passage has been crucial in how they've intersected with culture across continents. But it's not just true of the nation of Israel. This has also been true of the people of God broadly, those who are now followers of Jesus. We continue in this thread of seeking to be faithful in the cities we find ourselves as we wait for our final home. Jesus said he's going to come back when he left And he's going to make this world right and all wrongs right when he remakes the world anew. And a new grand city will be at the center, the new Jerusalem. The Apostle Peter even picks this up and calls Christians in his first letter to the church, exiles. You see, this is a part of our identity. This is our story too. Yes, we're citizens of heaven and the new city to come, but we're citizens of Kansas City as well. We long to be home with Christ in that future city. But this is our place and our home now as well. And God has us here for a purpose. We didn't gather together here by accident. Or at least I don't think so. You didn't just show up and go, whoops, where am I at? You know, and like, even if you did, God has a purpose for why you're here. So make your home here for the long haul. And listen, there may be all kinds of reasons as to why or how you ended up in Kansas City. I can guarantee they're probably not as toxic or intense as what these exiles had to experience. But one of the big ob- biggest obstacles that stands in the way from you being who God's called you to be where you are right now is believing the lie and living into the lie that you're just passing through and not investing where you are. God's called you and I to seek the welfare of the city and you can't just do that from afar. So I want to ask you this morning a question that it seems a bit trite, um, but it has really major ramifications on your life, um, in my life. I want to ask, have you made your home here? I know transiency is a big thing in our culture, and specifically, if you're in your 20s and 30s, it feels like you just never know where you're going to be tomorrow, but have you made your home here? Have you freed yourself to start putting down roots? Are you still holding back? Because listen, I know there's fear. I've had a lot of conversations with people say, I'm not, I don't know if I'm going to be here past three months and then I see them three years later. That is a real comment. We just, th- there is so much transit. Gabe, I'm afraid that, you know, my job might transfer me within the next year. I might only be here a year or two. Gabe, I'm afraid I'm going to start putting up roots and the pain of pulling those up. And is it just better to just stay disconnected and all the pain it could cause? Co- I have a friend, Paul. He's a good friend of mine. Um, he lives in Seattle, and he was in town this last week. And you know, he, he's just a brilliant leader. He started his own business. He's also a pastor and like a city director over pastors in this other organization. The dude is baller. Okay, um, <clears throat> I don't know if is that common lingo anymore. I don't know. Uh, but anyway, uh, <laughs> I'm starting to get older, and I'm just like, am I the old man now? Who uses baller? But anyway, we'll cut that out of the podcast. Um, <clears throat> But he's, he's really sharp. That still stings. You know, like, that's good. That's good. But um, he's really sharp. But he, I remember him telling me, he's like, when I moved from London to Seattle, I didn't know how long I was going to be there. And so I asked my pastor, what do I do? Like, if I'm, I'm only going to be there for a little bit. And his pastor was so wise, he gave G- really good advice, like this Jeremiah 29 kind of advice. He said, when you go to Seattle, I want you to live there like you're going to die there. Live there like you're going to die there. And then if you move, live there like you're going to die there. And he's like, if I never would have gotten that advice, I'd have never started the business, I'd have never found the church where it's been pouring into me and I've been able to pour into it. I'd have never even had the kind of family that I have today and the structure and the investment in the community. I'd have gone and lived everywhere without living. And he's like, I can't imagine what my story would have been like if I didn't take him up on that advice. This is so important. To where God has you and what God's called you to where he has you. And I want you to know what's at stake if you don't make your home here. Um, If you always believe that you're just passing through and you always keep yourself slightly disconnected because you're always ready for the next move, you're never really investing in any community, then you're going to miss out on, I I think, at least three huge gifts that we see that God wants to give his people right here in our text, okay? And here's, here's the first one. When we don't engage where God has us, we'll miss what God can do in us. When we don't engage where God has us, we'll miss out on what God can do in us. You need to know that God's greatest concern isn't changing cities. That's not God's primary goal. Instead, God's concerned with growing his people who then change cities and systems. I want you to think about it. Why why does God have Israel in Babylon to begin with? I mean, even in the midst of all their rebellion, even though they'd forgotten God and abandoned God and disobeyed God, God says here in verse, uh, Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 11, what does he say? For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for wholeness, not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. Even in the midst of exile, in the, even in the midst of all this pain, this doesn't sound like a God who's trying to destroy his people. It sounds like he's got a good plan for his people, even in the midst of this. So if it isn't to destroy, why have them there? Look now at verse 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. God has them in Babylon to draw them back to himself. God's using this city, this exile, to work on the hearts of his people, God wants to remind them that the most key characteristic of home, more than family, more than comfort, more than a yard, which is fun, or mice, is God himself. The most crucial component for the people of God when it comes to home is God himself. The most amazing characteristic of heaven isn't it's that it sparkles and glitters, isn't that there is no more pain and sorrow, but ultimately it's because God is there and his people are at home with him. Just like we used to walk and talk with him in the garden. And he's reminding them of that. God makes home home. But they'll miss that if they're always looking to somewhere else or the next big thing or the next place they're going to live because finally God will meet me there. No, God has you here for a reason and he wants to meet you here. How is God working on you through this city? Have you given, given him that, that space, that, that place to actually say, You're here now and you're working on me to remind me of you in this place? Do you miss out on that because you're, you live like you're just passing through? The second thing we'll miss is when we don't engage where God has us, we'll miss what God can then do through us, not just in us, but through us. You see, Israel had not only forgotten God, they'd forgotten their calling. Whenever you, and this is the way it always works, whenever you forget about God, you forget about your purpose. Those go hand in hand. And what was at the heart of God's purpose for Israel? We see it back in Genesis chapter 12, verses 2 through 3, when God was calling Abraham the patriarch of Israel. He says, and I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. God was forming his people, not just to have isolated blessing, but to have a conduit through which he might bless the world. This is what he sought to do through his people. And what better way to remind them of their calling than to put them with all the other people, (laughs) to rub shoulders with the neighbors of those they should have been blessing, to rub shoulders even in the midst of such a hostile environment, to remind them ultimately yes of their God, but also their calling. Seek the welfare of this city. Remember who I've called you to be. But when we don't engage where God has us, we'll miss what God can do through us. And we'll severely decrease the opportunities by which the Apostle Peter, who once again in the same letter, 1 Peter, when he calls the church exiles, says when you start to actually make your home there and you're loving your neighbor and you're, you're actually going about good work well done, when you're passionate about doing honest good work even in the midst of evil, when you're accused of evil, you keep yourself blameless, people are going to ask, where does, this, where does this hope come from? The rest of the culture seems to be coming down on you and there seems to be this tide this way, but you continue to choose integrity. Where does that come from? If we don't make our home here, if we don't actually allow ourselves to really put down roots and be who God's called us to be where we are, we truncate the opportunities in which we can share the gospel. We'll miss the opportunities to also carry out the great commandment, to love our neighbor as ourselves. But there's one more gift um, we'll miss out on if we don't make our home here, if we don't believe or we do believe the lie that we're just passing through and we keep ourselves disconnected from everything and everyone. When we don't engage where God has us, we'll miss what God has for us. Not just in us, not just through us, but what God has for us. God has something for us when we make our home here. And it's built into the promise in Jeremiah 29, 7, or the understanding of the way the the world works. But seek the welfare of the city where I have sent you into exile and pray to the Lord on its behalf. For in its welfare, you'll find your welfare. When the city suffers, you're going to suffer more. When it flourishes, you'll flourish more. Of all people, we should be investing, settling in, seeking the welfare to make our cities whole. And to be clear, I heard it once said the goal isn't to make Kansas City look like New York City or to one neighborhood to look like another neighborhood. The goal is to make every city like the New Jerusalem. That's the standard. That's the goal. When the city flourishes, we flourish. Our kids flourish. The vulnerable flourish. And so, yes, we work for others, but we also do it knowing that in the end, when our city flourishes, we too receive great gain. So I want to ask you this morning, kind of knowing all of this, um, how are you holding back rather than settling in? I know we're in different parts, that, you know, in our, in our story, in our walk with, with Christ here in this place this morning. Some, I think some of us are still skeptical, maybe even afraid um, to put down roots, to make ourselves home here, And that's partly because we're afraid to make a commitment. Because if you commit to something, then you've extinguished or eliminated other options that are out there. And those other options could be better. Isn't there always just a better option out there, it seems? And so to commit to one place means you're saying no potentially to another better place. There's always a potentially better place. But the best place is where you are today. That's where God's meeting you. That's where God has you. And then I think there are others of us who have jumped all in and you know the difficulty and the joys of making your home here. The hardships that come with that and the great delight in the midst of that. Maybe there's still one area of your life where you're holding back rather than settling in. What is that area for you? How are you holding back rather than settling in? Whether it's becoming a committed member to this local church here in Kansas City's downtown city center Maybe it's, you know, coming on Saturday to find out about one of these organizations so you can be taking more ownership of your neighborhood in which you find yourself. Or maybe it just transforms the way you see your work tomorrow when you go in. Are you holding back or are you settling in? Are you seeking the welfare of the city over the long haul? Are you living here like you could die here? Because that's what God's calling us to. And you know what happens when we start living that way? Phyllis happens. Um, If you've ever been to third service, um, then you know Phyllis. Uh, She's full of joy, energy, kindness, thoughtfulness, and she gave me permission to share the story, by the way. It's not like things happen and then I just spew people's stories up here from the front. Nobody will ever meet with me again. Um, No, but this last semester, she jumped into community groups, Um, and she knew it was hard. She was wrestling back and forth, and She knew, okay, this is going to be difficult to meet new people, to invest in new people. I don't know what they're going to think about me. I don't know what I'm going to think about them. It was risky. It was hard. And she really didn't feel like she had more time or energy to give. But she did anyway. And over the past few weeks, it did take more time and energy than she thought. But she got to know folks. She made her home with them, and they made their home with her. And then something happened. She had two unsuspecting surgeries that popped up. One, her biological family was able to be there and surround her. But the second one, everybody had work or some other issue that really kept them from being there. So she reached out to me and her community group. And so folks from her community group were there on that Friday before her surgery at the hospital. They prayed and waited patiently at the hospital during her surgery. When she came out of surgery, they were there to welcome her and to help get her home and to get her situated. They prayed for her in the midst of her recovery and helped got her, get her meals in the midst of that process. It cost a lot of time and energy. It was hard. It was a bit of a chance, but she made her home. And when she sought the welfare of her, said, even in this small way of joining in a community group, she felt the love and the response and the respect of her group coming alongside her in the midst of that. And she wrote a thank you note, and she wanted me to share it with you all. And so I wanted to kind of share it this morning. Listen to this. She writes, To my dear brothers and sisters in Christ, with gratitude and a thankful heart, I want to say thank you for your prayers, support, and your presence for me and my family during a very difficult time. My heart is overwhelmed by the love of Christ that has been demonstrated by each and every one of you. Thank you does not express the words that are felt in my heart and soul. And so with tearful eyes of joy, I say God bless you and I love you much, your sister in Christ. Phyllis Birmingham. This is what you miss out on when you don't make your home here. These are the people that you also are called to come alongside of that are missing out because you're not making your home here. This is the glory that, the glory of God is written all over this of what he's doing through his church that gets robbed when you don't make your home here. The greatest obstacle for the people of God to be who they're called to be is to believe the lie you're just passing through and to never invest, to never make your home here. Don't believe that lie. Make your home here. And let's let God write more stories like Phyllis's. Maybe even rewrite your story. Let's pray together. Sovereign Lord, you reign over this city. There isn't a square inch across this world that you don't proclaim, it is mine. And you have each and every one of us here for a purpose. God, may we not miss why you have us here. May we not live our lives disconnected from where we live as if we're just passing through. Help us to make our home here. And so we pray for our city as you've called us to, as Jesus himself has modeled for us. And so, God, this morning, we we pray that you would help us to be intentionally active in the education and safety of our children in the city. So often when resources are available, we escape, and so leave the vulnerable to languish. Help us make our home here. God, we pray that you help us to work towards just development and right practices and budgeting in our city so that the homeless, the mentally ill, and those of former felonies or records in their background would be pursued rather than avoided, heard and cared for, and that we would not settle for quick fixes that exacerbate poverty. Help us make our home here. God, we pray that the gospel of Jesus Christ would be on display in our daily work and evening leisure, that we would so cherish what you've done for us in Christ, that, if, that it would be such an integral part of our story that it would always be on our lips. God, help us not to forget to listen to others, to pursue the lost and proclaim the gospel. Help us make our home here. May you give us wisdom and endurance to seek the welfare of this city, Kansas City, our home. Until you call us to our forever home with you in that eternal city. In the name of Jesus, we ask these things. And by the power of the Spirit that unites us. Amen, amen, and amen.